Hello and welcome back to the SE Seller Podcast. I'm your host, Cody McGuffey, and today we have an inspiring episode with Christina, and she gets to talk about her Etsy journey, starting from working a full-time job just two years ago and having a dream to travel the world, go to Bali, have that location freedom, that financial freedom, that time freedom to buy a one-way ticket somewhere and decide when she wants to come back and never really miss a step in regards to her online income. She has created a dream life from a vision board now to her actual reality. And it was all through the power of e-commerce. Super, super inspiring. We get to dive into the details of how she got started, the mindset that she was in, the hurdles that she had to overcome, the identity shifts that she had to overcome as well. And it was a really inspiring episode. And I personally learned a lot and I'm very excited to share this with everyone here. As always, this podcast is brought to you by Everbee, and we believe that everyone deserves the opportunity to pursue their passions and really live life on their own terms. We believe in making e-commerce accessible for everyone in the world, no matter where they are, and be using it to make a positive impact in our families and in our communities. Everbee is Etsy business platform that helps Etsy sellers start their business, grow their business, and scale their business through a variety of tools uh, from finding winning products with our product research to finding winning keywords to use in your tags and your SEO to monitoring your trademarks to tracking your listing ranking in the Etsy SEO algorithm to ever be email to print on demand, all these things in order to power your e-commerce business. It's a tool you guys need to be using, a platform that you guys need to be using to grow your business. Sign up for free, everbe.io. Let's jump into today's episode. Christina, what's up? How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm great too. Yeah, super happy to have you on. I think we just talked about this, how we were trying to do this like six months ago, trying to get you on the podcast. And for whatever reason, we just couldn't connect. And if we were just mentioning that you were actually, the reason why we didn't connect is because you were on your trip to Bali with your now fiance. Yeah. And that just sounds really interesting. Uh, probably we could talk about that too. Just like the, the idea of going to Bali mm -hmm. funded probably by majority of it through your e-commerce success and print on demand, Etsy, all that stuff that we could dive into. Yeah, definitely. That, that was like my main goal, like my whole thing always has been like travel, like on my vision board was always like a picture of someone like working at a beach. Um, so yeah, once I like quit my job, it was kind of, I did like a few like month travels um, during like the first few months that I worked for myself. And then I started planning um, just like to buy a one-way ticket and then just see where I ended up. So yeah. that's what me and yeah, my boyfriend at the time, um, yeah, we just booked a one-way, stopped it, started in Vietnam and then made our way to Bali and then fell in love with Thailand and then came back home to Canada for the summer just because like, I love being in Toronto for the summer, but planning again to hopefully leave um, once it starts getting cold again because I'm not that big on skiing or the snow or anything. So glad to leave. <laughs> love it. Okay, cool. So let's back up now. Um, for anybody that doesn't know who Christina is, would you mind sharing your story and also how you got to Etsy? 
Yeah. So how I got into Etsy was it was like back in COVID and I was looking for some side hustle. I remember thinking, I was like, oh, I've got like maybe three months of working from home, um, a few hours after work. Like I'm going to figure out some way to make some extra income. I didn't think about how much. I tried a few different things, drop shipping. Um, I tried doing digital marketing, but I got in trouble at work for doing that when I found that out. <laughs> um, and then I actually started learning how to do... Um, like portraits. I was like drawing a lot. And my boyfriend bought me an iPad because I was talking about how much I wanted to just like be able to like digitally draw. And I started drawing. I love cats. Started drawing a bunch of like cat photos. And then I started doing it for friends. And then they were like, you should sell these. So that's actually the first time I had opened an Etsy. So I opened an Etsy account to sell pet portraits that I started selling. Um, which was awesome. And that was where I fully saw, like, I remember, I think it was like my first week being on Etsy for the portraits and I got a sale and I was like, that's like insane. Like I didn't do any marketing. I just listed it. Um, not thinking anything was going to come of it. And I was lucky enough that the pet portraits actually like became really successful, which was great, but I was still working my nine to five and now I was working an hour or two on every single order I was getting. And I was only charging like 30 to $50 for these. So when this started kicking up, I was working nine to five and then five to midnight. Um, and it was one of those things that like just quickly became really, really overwhelming. And I was looking at a way to um, just increase the order value. So maybe I could um, like work on a few less of them and still make the same amount of income. And a lot of people had asked me like, Oh, can you help me get this printed? And I was like, I don't know where you live, like Google staples or Walmart or something. And then I, that was when I was like, Oh, maybe like I can find someone online who will print it for me. Mm -hmm. So that's actually how I found the print on demand companies um, and learned about print on demand, like found Printify that could print my products on a mug or on a, like canvas print or a t-shirt. And I would have that as an upsell for all of my portraits. And then I, after doing that for a while and it's still being like a business, I was realizing I couldn't really scale or pursue too much just because my neck started killing, like being in this hunched position mm -hmm. over an iPad all day was like horrible. And I was like, oh, well maybe if I can sell these custom, really customized print on man products, Maybe I can create like these static ones that would apply to many people. And then I had found a YouTube channel that described that they were doing that. So I started my second channel um, or my second um, Etsy store. And pretty much from there is when I started my print on demand store, the same one that I'm still running today. That's been the reason I was able to quit my job and travel. That's amazing. I think that's so cool. And appreciate you sharing all that detail too. And it's cool to like hear you kind of recap this story, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Wild. So that's just an example of how one product changed your life. I think it puts you on a completely different trajectory. Would you agree? Oh, for sure. Like I always had this dream of working for myself, but I never knew how it would come about. Um, and after discovering this, it's just like changed my belief in business, like how I work and like my, my life fully, like I'm able to travel and work on my own time now. 
and now you're teaching other people how to do it too. And like you have YouTube and you have TikTok and you're just like talking about things that you love doing. And then you're also yeah. selling like it's a dream. I mean, I do remember the same thing. My wife and I had on a vision board travel, right. And mm-hmm. and options. And the three things for, for me in my life are like health, wealth, family. Right. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then it comes down to like location, freedom, financial freedom, and then time freedom. Really, really core things. And I think what you, we, we are, I think we align on this, right. Location freedom is what you have. You've built yeah. a, a, an income that is completely location independent. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you're in Bali, mm-hmm. Thailand, if you're in Canada, like either way, your income's not stopping. And that is the power of e-commerce and print on demand. Yeah. A hundred percent. And yeah, not having to be tied to the time zone is like a huge one too, because so many people can't go across the world and work on a complete 12 hour time zone change. It's a lot. Amazing. Take us back to you working full-time because right now, a lot of people are listening to this. They are driving to their job or they're driving home from their job or it's lunchtime and they're listening Mm -hmm. to a podcast to like try to get out of this, this rat race or get out of this like full-time job type of thing. Maybe they don't really enjoy. So they're inspired when they, hear about Christina quitting her job <laughs> through her Etsy shop and like what like that's that seems impossible but she did it how'd she do it um take us back to that what were you doing like what was your job yeah so I was working in digital marketing um like Google ads and Facebook ads um yeah I think it was it took me about 10 months to quit I know my first few months were really slow on print on demand like I think it was, yeah, it was five weeks until I got my first sale, um, like 70 listings. So it was quite a bit before I even got my first sale for the first six months, probably the max I would ever make was 300 in profit. And then I remember I got, I got in trouble at work and it was like one of those moments where like, it was just a really bad week. And I was like, I hate this. Like I cannot imagine myself doing this long-term. Like I was losing sleep. Um, I had two weeks vacation. It was just like this. I can't imagine doing this for 40 years. Um, and I remember like angrily, like getting on my Etsy. I was like, I'm going to make this work and I don't care. And I, this was around like September, like 2020, no, sorry, 2021. Um, right. And I just went crazy on adding to my store and luckily had found um, like the perfect niches for me. And I think all the combination of learning from the last few months really started um, coming to fruition at that time. And then combined with this was around September. um, So right before Q4. So all of that combined with the growing like traffic from Q4 is really what something happened in my store. Just the, the compounding efforts just shot up at that point and have just stayed profitable since then. That's amazing. I mean, really just stepping back, like September of 2021, you mentioned that's two years. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. September, yeah. I was like, it was 2021. Cause I remember 2020 was when I was trying all the drop shipping and not doing yeah, well. I mean, for anyone listening to this, right. Like thinking that you have to like, it takes forever. I mean, two years is not a long time when you mm-hmm. have like, you go from one situation in your life to a completely unimaginable dream board type of situation. Right. Yeah. Two, years. two years is like, ouch, you trade two years of like some effort and work and, and some uncertainty 
for your dream life. Typically, most people would do this. Um, yeah. And sometimes I like to say, like, we go to school for four years and pay so much money to be making an okay amount once you leave. But if you spent that much time, like trying to build up as business, even with a year of it being failing, that's so much learning in a year. Um, right. And by four years, you're, you definitely have a successful business in whatever you're trying. I love that. Yeah, I totally agree with this. Uh, so let's take us back to Q4 of 2021, your first big break, maybe. Um, yeah. What did those shares revenue, share, share any numbers that you feel like is, it was exciting and meaningful for you? Yeah. So I remember, I don't remember revenue, but I remember my profits. Okay. So I remember, so I was Even making more, about, more important. So, yeah, the, the profits are what are important. Right. Um, so yeah, I was making about 300 profit for like the, the slow months where I was still learning, um, and just starting my store. And then once I really started ramping up, I remember September, I hit about one K profit October. I hit about eight K and then November and December, I both hit 12 K. So that was that exponential rise that it was, was just like an insane. 1K, 4K, 8K, and then 12, 12K. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about like a, right. A, a yeah. Um, yeah. The slow flat until like, you just see that like rise, which has been amazing. Wow. That's amazing. And I, so what, how, how does that make you feel? Like, take us to that, like. You're at three, 300 to one K I'm sure you're feeling like a little bit of excitement. You just tripled, right? Oh yeah. And then you eight X. Yeah. I remember like, I always have this issue of like not wanting to sound like braggy and stuff. So I remember like trying to be quiet near my family. I'm like, Oh, I like made a lot of sales, but I didn't want to be like, I can quit my job. I can do whatever <laughs> I want now. Um, yeah. especially because one thing I've like, I was like, okay, well maybe, come January, February, I'm going to go back to 300. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Um, that was another fear in there. So I didn't want to get. Yeah. Like, did I get lucky with this Q4 rush? Did I get lucky kind of thing? Like you have this yeah. like, coming in and all these thoughts. Yep. Yeah. Cause you always hear that. You always hear it's just like, Oh, Q4, you're going to make so much. So I was like, okay, so does that mean January I'm going back to nothing? So for me, I was like, Oh, this is just like, I, I, yeah, I was trying not to get too excited. Cause I was like, okay, this doesn't mean I can quit my job until I remember like back to their vision board that we were talking about putting on my thing is like, if I can keep 10 sales a day going into like in January and February in 2024, that's when I can know that this can last long-term. But until that, I was just like really excited, but I wasn't like, oh, this has changed my life yet. Um, so I was cautiously optimistic at that point. <laughs> But you're, you're building your confidence. Um, like that, this, this, that ride builds your confidence. Like you're just For like, sure. wow, I wonder if it's going to work next week. Oh, wow. The sales keep coming, don't they? You know? And it's like next month and like, wow, they just keep coming. Yeah. You're like, maybe I am doing the right things. Right. And then you pretty soon, like your identity starts to shift. Yeah. And pretty soon you switch from like, oh, I'm just like a hobby person trying to play around on an Etsy thing, trying to make some money to like, no, I'm a seller. And actually I do this for a living. And like the identity starts to shift. For sure. And as that changes, then the actual universe starts to give you or whoever, you know, call it God of the universe starts to give you of what you expect, right? Which is sales every day. Yeah. Yeah. It's been like, it's taught me so many things about just like, I think one of the biggest lessons that it's taught me, like, and especially moving forward was about like the, how much initial effort is needed for something 
without expecting any reward. Cause I've like, I think with print on demand with so many different businesses, I'm like, that is the key. So many people are going to give up when it's, you're not getting like a one-to-one payoff. You put in 10 hours, you got zero out of it. That's when people are going to give up. But like the secret sauce is if you can be the person who keeps getting a little bit better every day without any payoff, that's when you can like really reap the rewards. Um, Damn, that was really good. I totally agree with you. Like, yeah, that is the key. Just let everyone else or everything else just kind of filter. They're, they're, everyone else is going to give up. If yeah. You just sustain, just withhold, like keep going. Typically yeah. everything filters out, filters out itself. Yeah. And that's like, help me moving into everything now. Like I would have never thought that before. I would have never thought I'd be a YouTuber. If you watch my first YouTube videos, those are horrible, but I feel like seeing my whole print on demand thing, like it, seeing that in action gave me that full belief. So I'm like, I can just keep doing it even though I'm getting nothing for it. And eventually it's going to turn into something eventually. I, I totally agree. Like the, the staying power, right? They call it staying power. People that talk about that is just like, you, oh. st- you stay oh. in the game. Staying in the game is actually like way harder, <laughs> right? Than like <Yeah. laughs> building. It's like, no, like stay in it when things aren't working well. Just yeah. keep going, show up, show up, show up. I mean, and then you all with that, what people are saying and what we're saying here is, don't just show up to show up, like show up every day with intention to grow. Yeah. Understand that it might not grow today, but just have the vision. That's why you, you talked about vision boards, right? Have mm-hmm. a vision of a, a compelling future. And if you could focus on the compelling future and just continue to show up typically, almost always, it tends to work out. Yeah, exactly. You're going to slightly get better and you won't even notice you're getting better over time because you're doing it every single day. But then one day you're going to go look back at what you did on day one. You're like, wow. I didn't realize how bad that was at the time, but now <laughs> you've learned so much like subconsciously. There's a reason why people, business owners, somebody that's a, a business owner, they, they start, they end up being a serial entrepreneur. They start multiple mm-hmm. right? They're like, oh, I have an Etsy shop. And then it turns into a e-commerce brand, a huge brand. And then I went and sold my brand. And then I started another brand. And then I also started a YouTube, right? Course and yeah. teaching people for free on YouTube and all this stuff. Like, it's not coincidence. Like these people, their mindset has been like completely like transformed into mm-hmm. I can pretty much do anything that I put my mind to. Yeah, for sure. And I definitely think after you get your first break, it's hard to believe it until you see your first one. But I, I feel like that's my belief now. Like I'm doing things I never would have thought. I never would have thought I would be. Like, a year ago, I was scared of the camera. Like that, my whole reason I started on TikTok to to get over a camera fear. And now that's my job, which is crazy. Wild. It totally is. And I remember Everbee too, when I was first starting Everbee, like I've personally have to over, I've had to overcome so much of different versions of myself in order to like where we are today. And we haven't even gotten started really. But the point is like, you should have saw it when we first started two years ago. Yeah. It was barely working. I was like hoping somebody would like use it and provide feedback and help us make it better. Like it. I was afraid of like talking to someone on the phone or like sit, get, talking to a user to get their feedback on our products. Yeah. It was my baby it was my artwork. Right. And it's like, <laughs> what if they're going to say something bad about it? You know? And then yeah. like, you have to go through these things. And the coolest part about it is that if you do walk the path, stay in the game, you turn into this amazing like version of yourself, which is the yeah, most you do. thing. Yeah. You like trust yourself and you like, 
yeah, it definitely changes how you view yourself a little bit when you start knowing you just like went through the effort and put up with the hard stuff. Cause if it was easy, then everyone would do it and you wouldn't be special. But if you can outdo it and outdo everyone else, like that's your, your advantage. It's who you are. You talked about your family, um, a little bit. So I want to like kind of dig in there a little bit. So your family's not entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs doesn't sound like. No. Yeah. My family is not entrepreneurs. So that was always, um, like different. I know I remember being so, I didn't tell my parents I quit my job, um, until like a month later. And then my dad was asking why I wasn't going to work when I stayed with them. And I was like, mm, by the way, I also quit my job a month ago, even though I was making more, um, than my job. I was so nervous to tell them because like my mom's always been like very big on like, go to the university, get the job, um, climb the ladder, um, get the benefits. She still asked me about what am I going to do about my pension and my benefits? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I'm working, I'm making more and I'm putting a lot more away for that in the future, instead of relying on a job to do that. No question. I mean, you're building assets, like your mental assets, your obviously financial assets are going to come if they're not already, obviously YouTube and, and Etsy shop and stuff. These are assets, you know, and yeah. uh, knowledge that you can just roll into the next thing are huge, huge assets yeah. that, the, that the normal employee do not have, like yeah. they are literally the most at risk. People think that they're stable with their job. Like, no, you're one downturn in the economy away from getting laid off. And then you have to yeah. go and hunt for another job. Like that's not stability rather than controlling our own destiny. Like I'll pick that. That's more stable to me. I don't think for it's for sure. everybody. That's probably what me and you agree with. Yeah. And then like, now you have that belief that if something happened, like I would just start something else. Or I just do it again. I wouldn't go back. I was like, I now have this like belief in myself. And I'm like, I can do it again. <laughs> I love that. Totally agree with this. Um, you you meant okay. So now take us back to so you went from 300 to 1k to 8k to 12k, 12k, I believe. Uh, yep. How much total revenue or profit or what do you think like in the last 12 months or pick a pick a time frame? What what have you done like that's exciting that is meaningful for you? Um, like in terms of like numbers or yeah. order sales, revenue, profit, whatever you want to share. Yeah. So I think I know last, so my first full calendar year, which was last year was like, was I almost hit, my goal was to hit hundred K in profit. I hit slightly short of that. Um, but that was still second. Like that was my first full calendar year, um, with my print on demand store and hitting that when I was making 70 K at my job. Um, and it's funny cause everyone's like, well, that's not taxes. I'm like, well, your job, you don't say your taxes either. No, no. But, uh, <laughs> so yeah, pre-tax, um, yeah, a hundred slightly uh, less than a hundred. So that was itself that's, huge. That's huge. It's such a, like a meaningful number for people like that, that like ceiling of like they're on that hundred K type of number, especially profit. Yeah. Actually, I would argue that the revenue hundred K is probably the biggest ceiling that people try to break through, but yeah. then through like on profit, that means that your revenue, if you're doing print on demand was probably around the 280 to $300,000. Yeah. It was three, three something. I think it was like 325 or something for last year. And that means that your profit margins are probably like 20, 25 to 30% profit margins yeah. on average. Yeah. Yeah. Around there. I love it. Okay, cool. Um, that's amazing. Okay. So you talked about cat portraits, but I think me and you were talking offline and you were talking about evergreen niches. 
Yes. And because you were afraid of that Q4 of like that drop off after, you know, going to Q1, I imagine you probably put your thinking cap on and said, well, what if I build something evergreen? Why well, don't have to worry about this Q4 rush all the time? For sure. Take us through that approach. Yeah. So for me, I actually, luckily, I think I fell into the evergreen niches and didn't realize at the time just how important they are, but it's something I teach everyone now because it's something they should actively be thinking about. I was just lucky to have fallen into it at the time. Um, but like my first niches that started like kicking off were um, really, really specific niches. So for me, I'm really into breath work and ice baths. Um, so uh, my first shirt that like kicked off was breath work. And then I found a few other like niches around like what I love and hobbies that just started doing really well. And I started focusing on those. And for people that are brand new, that I see their first products are Christmas shirts or Halloween shirts, and they haven't done evergreen. And for people who don't know, evergreen are just um, like niches not tied to holidays. So yeah, your career, your hobbies, your pets um, versus like a Christmas shirt would be a holiday shirt. Um, last kind of like all year round, right? Yeah, yeah, I can sell all year round. So if you're like a number one, a brand new seller trying to sell Christmas sweatshirts, you are competing with every other store. Like your holidays are the most done niches. Like everyone, if you think of sweatshirts, the first thing you think of is Christmas sweatshirts. Um, so not only that, are you competing with everybody else, every other store that has thousands more sales than you? The issue is once you, that holiday passes, you're back to ground zero. Christmas is not selling in January, but what can continue selling are evergreen. So if you had a cat shirt, number one, a cat shirt, like a custom cat shirt is going to sell way more than a Christmas shirt anyway, because how many Christmas shirts do you buy during Christmas? Maybe one. How many gifts are you buying during Christmas? One for everyone you know. So Already, those are already going to sell more during Christmas, but same thing. So now you, there's data behind that listing. So you're going to be ranking higher and higher the more sales you get behind it. And then going into January, you're still going to be ranking high and people are still going to be purchasing from you. Versus even if you made Christmas sweatshirts and you ranked to page one because yours was the best seller for Christmas, come January, it doesn't matter. No one's buying for Christmas. So the fact that all of my um, listings were um, like hobby and career based, they like ranked really high after that first Q4 and stayed high and stayed selling. That's amazing. It's so, it's probably so empowering to know that, hey, Q4 is awesome. It's a nice little bonus. It's a big bump, right? Because everybody mm -hmm. usually a big bump in Q4, but it's like, it's nice to know that like my listings aren't going to just die in Q1 or Q2 or Q3, right? Like it's, yeah. it gives you a little bit more confidence if your goal is to quit your job, right? Or if your For goal sure. is to rely on this income, which everybody relies on their income to a certain degree to pay my car bills or to just save or whatever it is, pay for the vacation. Uh, it's much better to have a sustainable anything in life. I mean, that's what we're shooting for is sustainability yeah. most of the human race. Um, I appreciate you sharing that. So as far as like, how does somebody find an evergreen niche? How do you teach people to do that? Yeah. So what I usually do is first list out all the things that you love, that you love to do. Cause 
a lot of people start with research first. I like to start with passion first and then move into like validating it just because the things that you love, you're going to love to create a lot more and you're going to have all the inside jokes um, or you're going to know all the sayings you already like apply to that niche. So if you have, if you can tell the inside jokes, it's going to be really hard for people outside of your niche to compete with you because you have that upper edge. So again, for me, I started with breath work. I love Pilates. I think a ramen shirt was one of my top first sellers as well. Cause I love at the time going for ramen. I'm allergic to it now, which is really sad, but, <laughs> um, and write those all down. And then one thing that's really helpful right now is because, um, Everbe now has competition stats, which is fantastic. So what I would do is now on Etsy with your Everbe extension, type in your niche plus the product you want to sell. Or you can even just type it in and then Etsy will give you a drop down of like the different products under that niche. So if you type in like cat lover, it's going to show you recent searches. So it'll show like cat lover shirt, cat lover sweatshirt. And then Everbee will show you the amount of searches. And then when you hit see more, you'll also see competition. And I'm looking for ones that have high searches, but competition less than maybe like 2000. Um, and then if it has something like that, that's now I've picked my niche, I've picked my product and I validated it. And now I'm going to be going into doing design research, which is now looking up that niche, um, using Everbee to filter by the... Um, bestsellers and just studying what fonts are popular, what design styles are popular, what colors are popular. So for me, it starts with passion um, and then validate. Yes. It sounds like your process would be, it'd be similar to my process. I think too, is like, go start with passion, ideally something that you enjoy doing, mm -hmm. then you go to like the data piece, right? And you're like, okay, what are people searching for? So you're talking about the actual keyword data, I think it sounds like yes. the keyword yeah. search volume and then the competition of the search of the keyword. Yeah. Okay. And then you go to the specific product level, which is like, okay, like this, people are searching for cat portrait, for example. Um, and the competition is relatively low compared to the search volume or something, whatever. And then you go into actual the products. Okay. Which products are doing well. And yeah. at that point you kind of identify a few of them. And at that point you put your creative hat back on and you say, how can I improve this thing? Or, or I mean, is that, that's where like the intuition probably comes in of like, how can I make this thing better for like my type of people or for me, yeah. or that's where the intuition comes back in. Yeah. Like what's missing? Like, what can I add to this? Um, but I think even just spending time looking at different designs just helps you start creating good designs yourself. I can tell when I look at someone's store that they haven't ever actually paid attention to what sells on t-shirts, especially on Etsy. Um, it's pretty obvious. You don't want to be copying people because you're not, oh, you're never getting any sales any, there anyway, but it's about, yeah, finding what's popular trends, maybe moving them to a similar niche, um, maybe doing design research in another niche and applying it somewhere it's never been applied for. Um, yeah. Changing up the colors. Um, yeah. I think studying designs really helps. I love it. And so you, you did 70 listings to start with, um, about how many listings do you have nowadays? Now I have 1300. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Gotcha. And would you agree with like the 80, 20 rule type of thing where it's like the majority of your sales come from like 10 or 20% of all a million things? percent. I've got like maybe 15 that sell regularly. The other ones are like once in a while and like 
quite a bit of them will never see sales, but the, those bestsellers that you get are the ones that are just going to be raking in the money. <laughs> Why do you think that is? Why do you think that like you need so many listings or do, do you believe that you need so many listings in order to have those like 15 bestsellers? Like, like what are you doing differently on those 15 versus the other, the other 1300? Yeah. So for some of it, some of them, I look back and I'm like, okay, I can see why you're not that popular. Some of them I kind of just put up and randomly thought of, I didn't do any research behind it. Um, some of them I just didn't validate. I just had a like good idea and I really wanted to list it and see what would happen. Um, and then for me, a lot of mine, so it's hard to say a lot of mine are the same design. It's trying a same design on a t-shirt or a sweatshirt. And sometimes I'm duplicating the listing and testing two main photos. So sometimes it's just A-B testing is a reason I have so many different ones. Because sometimes I'll post the exact same design. I'll try it with a mock-up with a girl wearing a sand sweatshirt and then someone wearing a white sweatshirt. And the sand sweatshirt does crazy. And that tells me, okay, the sand is really popular right now. Maybe in the future, I'm going to be putting things on sand um, more often. So a lot of mine, while it says 1300, it's definitely not 1300 designs. Um, a lot of it's testing for me going forward. I love it. Okay. Got it. And then what do you, what, when you're split testing, going to that example, you have a sand sweatshirt and then you have a blue sweatshirt, right? Mm -hmm. And then your first one was the blue one and you duplicate it just for anybody that's getting tactical for a second, the blue one you create, you just duplicate it, meaning you kept the same title, same tag, same everything. The only thing yeah. you changed was the main image color, correct? Yeah. Got it. So now that's the, the main, what we're doing now, what you're doing is you have a control, which is your blue. Yeah. This is, kind of, this is your digital marketing hat, like that you have fortunately <laughs> from your past yeah. experience, which is cool. And then you have the sand color. And now we're just simply, what are you measuring though? Is it click-through rates? Is it sales conversion rate? What are you, what's the main thing that tells you, oh, sand is doing so much better. Is it like the views, just a whole number of the view count or what, do you, what tells you that the clear winner? For me, I would usually just leave them up. And for me, it's usually just sales. I'm usually not digging too much into them. Sometimes I'll will, um, if I want to know right away, we'll run an ad um, towards both of them and see which one's getting the better click-through rate. Um, but usually if I'm not going micro details into my marketing, I'll just duplicate and see. And I've definitely seen different mock-ups of mine start to be like, oh, this is always the selling one. Mm. Um, so a lot of people don't believe in that. They tell me like, oh, you're just like flooding your shop. But for me, it's been making a difference, especially if I want to buy a brand new mock-up. Um, I want to know that it's going to work. So I'll run a quick test towards it. Um, against my other best-selling mock and see which ones I want to be putting in. Because if Stan's always doing better for me, but I've never studied, so I'm putting everything on my black because I liked the black mock-up, um, mm. which definitely happened. I thought one mock-up would do great because I I loved it and then realized, but the shoppers don't. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty zoomed out, but I, I do see the patterns emerge in my sales. I love it. Okay. That's great. And I think honestly, when I was talking about the granular stuff about click-through rate, like, I don't even think that Etsy really gives us that level of detail. I mean, no, it, unless it's ads or you're like, I think, ads are, yeah. yeah. Ads are great. You could, cause it's right there. Click-through rate CTR. It's like beautiful. Um, but like organic is it's trickier because yeah, I agree. Do you use Etsy ads for often? Not really. So for me, I've tested it quite a bit and it's just never that profitable for me. 
again, I'll run it for those tests sometimes, or if something's like really on trend, um, and I want it to get seen or like, I believe mine's better than everyone else's. And it's like a trend that might only last for a little bit, which again, if you're a brand new seller, I wouldn't chase trends, um, would be going evergreen, but as a ongoing thing for me, I do not run consistent ads and have not found them that helpful. I find it gets more sales on days. I'm not running ads personally. Um, yeah. But I mean, I don't know if Etsy has a weird, I don't know why they would do that, but, um, that's interesting. I've heard that before. Yeah, I've definitely noticed it. Like the other day, I was like, okay, I'm going to just try writing $100 for a few days, see what happens. I got less sales than I usually do with $0. And I just lost multiple hundred dollars on this test. But I do always want to make sure because I'm also teaching. So it's like I'm constantly running it to make sure what I'm saying is still accurate. But I'm like, no, still not profitable for me. <laughs> yeah. And I think like anybody listening to this, right? Try it. I would say try it, yes. test it for yourself. I mean, Etsy ads is, is, it is traffic. Like you can literally turn on traffic. Now the numbers part of it is, you know, is it profitable for you is the, is the key here to understand of mm-hmm. how much I spend in the last seven days, how much revenue, and then more importantly, how much profit did I bring in from that specific ad, figure out if you break even, if you lost money, if you profited, ideally you should be at least breaking even on ads in my opinion, yeah. for it to like justify, um, you don't want to lose money for more than seven days on a specific listing personal opinion. Uh, some people for sure. And for some products, I think it really does work. I've had other stores. Um, I had a lot of big, like we're just sold better and it kind of made sense. And digital downloads sometimes make sense because you're not losing, like you're not also paying a cost of goods. Um, so that those are easier as well to tell. Cause when you sell print on demand, it can be great. You can say, Oh, you spent $1 made $2. But if your profit off that $2 is only 30%, you lost money. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of calculations you have to keep in mind when you have a cost of goods associated with your orders. True. And a digital product is like 85% profit margin, right? Yeah. Um, beautiful. Although I would say in a digital shop, your average order value is two bucks, right? Yeah. So it's like <laughs> still profiting only a dollar 70 or whatever it is. Did it cost you less than a dollar 70 to get that sale? Mm-hmm. Hard to get a sale for dollar seventy in digital marketing. Definitely. <laughs> um, so typically advertising I've seen works better with more expensive products. Yeah. So like that jewelry necklace that you see sometimes for like 50 or 60 bucks, they have a profit margin of 40 or 50%. Those are really great. Um, you could do it with print on demand too, like Christine was saying, but it's maybe the cost per click is higher because you have so many other sellers advertising their listing also. So it might drive mm-hmm. up your cost of sale too. So the point is here, it's every case by case is different. Pay attention to your own numbers, test it. For sure. Yeah. 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 I've known some people who swear by them and some people like me who have never had them really be worth it. Where can people find you? Um, Yeah. You can find me at c.u.online on YouTube and on TikTok. Amazing. Okay, cool. And do you have, uh, what are you typically posting on there? I mean, educational content purely about Etsy or about anything else or what is it? Um, I switch between everything that I use. Um, I'll do educational content on print on demand, printify mindset. I also love to talk about new updates, new Canva updates. Things are like constantly evolving nowadays. So even if you use these and you're not there to learn, I am constantly there. Um, just trying to be the first, um, when new features, um, get launched on any of the platforms that I use. So I like to also kind of help people that way. I love it. So in YouTube, you recently started going, putting more content on, on YouTube, which is super exciting because now we get to like, not just TikTok, which is like a little bit more shorter form. 
you yeah. can actually like see the details of how Christina runs her business and how you suggest running your business, which is really, really cool. Yeah. Thank you. Great. Well, this has been so fun and I really appreciate you coming on and sharing so much value with, with our community, because again, we're like, our community is largely newer sellers or kind of like, you know, two years, a year in, maybe two years in. So they're trying to scale. So it's exciting to like have somebody that's actually started their business with a job. You have now exited that job. Now you're living this, like most people would call it a dream lifestyle. I know you have big goals for yourself, I'm sure. But the point is like, you are living that dream for some, lots of people, which is mm -hmm. so inspiring. And now you're sharing all the, all the content for us. So we appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This is so much fun too. <laughs> totally. Let's do it again. We should, um, jump on a, like a live, a YouTube live. I think that'd be cool. Or another podcast episode to follow up maybe like in a couple months. That'd be super fun. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. Love it. Cool. All right. Christina. Well, thank you so much. Okay. Thank you.